0: hey guys, it's James Chester here. You're listening to the Gather Round the Lamp podcast by UnderAGasLitLamp.com. Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast. Aiming towards Archer. That's a fabulous header. He's the targets, the oh, done, magnificent from
1: Daniels.
0: He's going to have to go on his own here. He's perfectly happy to do that. Sensational goal.
1: It is the has a, new hero! He a big clap, mate. So, gather round, villains, and welcome back to Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by UnderAGasLitLamp.com. It's all gone a bit unnecessary again as another defeat has put manager Steven Gerrard firmly in the Villa doghouse so we'll be trying to pour over the facts and pick the bones out and see if Stevie can avoid the doo-doo. Or lead a revival, or will he be hounded out of Villa Park? I'm Andy, and joining me today, still feeling rough,
0: it's Craig. (laughs) Yes, I'm feeling rough like Rex the dog. And um, (laughs) it's really interesting to to be back. Uh, I missed last week, and I thought... uh, that I had uh, dodged a, a speeding train, uh, but now I've, I've dodged a speeding train and uh, <laughs> I'm being run over by a cruise liner while cl- clutching a shark. So anyway, <laughs> if, 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 if that doesn't tell you where we're going today, then I don't know what will. Yeah, Craig's in a good mood and he's, he's back on the
1: pod so that's the main thing. Um, yeah, just I, I think we'll start with the the, the Bolton away game uh, last week. Yeah. If you can remember back that far, it was uh, it was it was just after we recorded um, our show last week, and obviously we went away for the uh, second round of the Carabao Cup, um, and we took a strong lineup. Uh, Stephen Gerrard named pretty much the first team, I think, for this one. Um, you know, and and it, which was a bit of a shock. We were debating about. Whether uh, Archer would obviously play, Irabuham would play. Whether Chambers or I think Chambers did play, but um, you know how many how many of the fringe players would get an opportunity? And and the answer really was none of them. Um, and it it really didn't show. It started poorly. Um, conceded the first goal. Excellent move really probably a little bit of a foul but we'll give them that um but really good move by bolton and 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 a good finish uh to to kind of pile on a little bit of embarrassment um live on sky sports of course as well um it didn't last long Douglas Luiz scored a goal from a corner, which is becoming a, a bit of a speciality. Which is, which is lucky because he hasn't got many specialities. Um, and the, the, the <laughs> I know, sorry. Um, and I mean, it was a, it was obviously then a better second half. Goals by uh, Danny Ings from the penalty spot, Luca Dean and Leon Bailey with a, a, a really special goal. I thought um, secured a four-one win um, to take us. Up to Old Trafford to meet our old friends Manchester United in the next round, but we'll just quickly kind of go over this one, Craig. What you know? What what were you what were your takeaways from this game? And you know, it seemed seemed reasonably positive on the night, albeit a, a bit of a dodgy first half hour.
0: Yeah, I think the the, the main takeaways was that um, no matter what you do as a manager, sometimes just having better players is enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I it, it was good I thought that um, it was a strange decision I, I, I wanted to see the likes of uh, Tim Urugbunum Cameron Archer from the start as I'm sure lots of other people did also would have liked to have a look at Morgan Sanson uh, who I don't think was even on the bench for this so uh, <laughs> there you go but uh, that normally this is a place where you would see a few kids the likes of Marvellous um my beautiful baby boy Anwar who who we'll talk about later on um, don't think you're getting away without me talking about him Andy and, and, um but we didn't we saw a full first team and the main important thing was that with confidence low i could see the logic from gerard of bringing in the full first team let them go score a few goals have a confidence boosting win and uh, move on to the um the 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 home fixture obviously that we just had against west ham um didn't really work out that way we did win and some nice goals uh, and um and and it was it was interesting that we we conceded and this is becoming probably a real concern. I know that I become, I, we know that I have a little bit of a fetish, if you will, for clean sheets in more ways than one. And um, it is just really concerning that this Villa team cannot go through any match against any opposition at the moment without conceding some kind of goal. And um it's, uh, it's 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 it it was it was a good win in the end, but obviously no more than we expected against a, a League One outfit.
1: Yeah, it was um, it was worrying though, wasn't it? That that first half and, like you say, the goal, not a great. I mean, it wasn't just out of the blue either. It, you know, they they probably had done enough to say we probably have we we probably earned that goal um, during that first first part of the match and um it, 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 it was a good move but at the same time you know you don't expect to to concede a goal like that if you're the um if you're the premier league side but you know f- f- fair play and 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 it was a good response i think there's a, a a general cloud of negativity around the club at the minute which means that if you're not battering teams um 6 and 7 nil people are going to find um you know uh, fine fault aren't they and I think people also were a little bit disappointed um, weirdly enough that um, he picked that, that such a strong team because I think they, you know, there is a case there has been a case from the, the the first few games of the season that other players in the squad maybe deserve a, a bit of an opportunity and this is traditionally their time where they get that um, now don't get me wrong if we're going um like in the next round, away to Man United, or you know, like like we did last year, or away to Chelsea, I, I would like us to see us go stronger and, as they say, take the cup seriously. But um, away at Bolton, I I think it is an opportunity to, you know, to maybe pepper the side with one or two um, youngsters who, who perhaps you're looking at and to see if they can make the step up. Um, so I thought it was a, re- a bit of a strange team selection. I was, normally I'd, I'd be quite happy
0: with a strong strong team selection But I was a bit disappointed You'd like to think that we could have won that game With uh, Eric Bunham in place of Kamara And with Archer in place of Ings for example I don't think that would have been the end of the world Obviously there's speculation about some of the other fringe players You, I know that you would have really liked to have seen Freddie Gilbert, Andy But unfortunately <laughs> that wasn't to be uh, Ashley Young did play very well I thought at right back Um, But you would like to see a couple of the young players and it's really important for us to see the young players have a pathway because this is really one of the areas where Villa have excelled in recent years. Um, We're going to talk about Christian Perslow, I think, a little bit later on. And there's some potential criticism coming his way. Well, not potential, there is criticism coming his way (laughs) uh, from sections of the fan base. But one thing that you can't really critique him for Perslow, that is, is his absolute revolution, if you will, of the Aston Villa Academy. We now have a number of high-worth or high-worth individuals, the likes of uh, Jacob Ramsey at the top of that tree. Uh, we just got 20 million for Carney Chocomaker, who is um, tearing up trees at Chelsea, so well done to him. <laughs> and um, But there's, there's, a, there's a, a bunch more coming through as well, and that that has all happened under Perslow's watch, so I do congratulate him on this. But part of the part of the the framework for that is for the for the, for there to be a pathway for those players so when gerard closes the door completely to those players at least from the start i understand archer and um Bunham did come on as substitutes but when he closes the door on that pathway it then brings into question the whole process of what the club is trying to do and that is probably a little bit concerning but Ultimately, this is a manager under pressure. And I think the team selection is showed that he's trying to cover his own backside. He knows that his job is, is in serious jeopardy even more so, as we'll talk about later on, subsequent to the West Ham result. And I think that team selection spoke to me as a manager who is fighting, scrambling even. <laughs>
1: Yeah, absolutely and it was um every every tweet was almost um about how strong the lineup was and I I, I, I tweeted suggesting that maybe we shouldn't be throwing the word around road strong around quite so liberally um for that team because uh, it's uh, it's not proved to be a particularly strong outfit um so far this season and um obviously moving on to to, to West Ham you know we were we were probably coming into this game with a bit of a bit of trepidation. It was certainly um, felt like a, a must-win um, for both both teams. West Ham were without a point or a goal in their opening three games. Um, I know my my mate who supports West Ham wasn't wasn't at all confident going into this one, and even with their kind of you'd say on you know they've got a better better team on paper, and certainly they've over the last. Couple of years, they've they've proved that, and uh, but they've not started well. So um, it was it was a big game for both Gerard and and David Moyes, um, I think. But there were some some changes to the teams um, to the, the first team. Ings and and Coutinho returned from the the Palace game. Came in for Bailey and Buendia, um, and of course uh, Dougie Louise came in for, for Jacob Ram- Jacob Ramsey in midfield, um, and uh, the, the the most surprising uh, team selection I think was 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 uh, Tyro Mings being left out, um, replaced by Callum Chambers, um, apparently unwell. Um, so so left out. I mean I think he was at the ground because he, he you know, he, he put something on Instagram, he was he was there, um, but just left out out the team. Um wh- I mean what were you, what were your initial thoughts on the team and, and particularly that Ming's omission? Um do you think this was a one of these um let's keep him out the team so he's fresh just in case a bid is coming
0: in the next few days? Well that would be particularly Uh, baffling to me if Mings were to be sold, given the context. I don't understand why Hawes was let go um, without... Now, I understand globally why you would let Courtney Hawes go on loan to the championship, I'm not saying that. But I'm talking about the context of Diego Carlos having just gone down, the context of us having only three centre-halves in the building, I don't know why you wouldn't say, um, I know we're not talking about whores, I so will get to Mings in a minute, but just generally speaking, I don't know why you wouldn't, if you're Gerard, Perslow, whoever, if you're Aston Villa, why would you not say to um, Watford, yep, yeah, great, deals agreed, um, but you're going to have to give us three or four days just so we can get someone else in the building and then we'll we'll sign off on whores on going going to you. Um, because then very quickly you have the, the, the situation where Mings has picked up an apparent illness. Let's let's trust that as being the truth, Andy. And uh, he's unavailable. So all of a sudden, you're down to two fit centre halves. I don't think even the young lad Feeney was on the bench, was he at uh, at the weekend? No. So you literally are down to two centre halves. Which for a mul- uh, for a multi. Million, a multi-hundred million pound business, that's a bad sentence, but you know what I mean, for a highly valuable commercial enterprise such as Aston Villa, a Premier League football club, dare I say an established Premier League football club now in its fourth season in the hot flight, for them to be going into a, a for them to choose to go into a fixture with two fits and a halves, I mean, all it would have taken was a rolled ankle for Konza or Chambers, you know, a tweak a calf, anything. And we're in, we're in, we're in big danger. So I don't know why you would let whores out the building. And coming back to Ming's, I certainly don't know why the hell, how the hell you would let Ming's go. um, Because then you need two replacements. You need a replacement for whores, You need a replacement for Ming's as well. So unless we're going to be signing two centre-halves in the closing days of the window, um, I do think it was just an illness. And I think that um, it would be really, um, really particularly stupid to let Ming's go at this time.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's a bit of um, that 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 situation when you're at the ground and you see the team and Mings isn't in the, in the team or the or on the bench. Um, you kind of think, you know, five days out from the transfer deadline, you think something's uh, something's afoot, maybe. But yeah, I, I, I think I think you're probably right, and we'll 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 go with that until we know. Otherwise, really, I I suppose I put together the the fact that um, I imagine Leicester. Are, you know they've got eighty million uh, burning a hole in their skyrocket the minute you know after Fafana going to Chelsea, are they looking for a centre half? Are they are they kind of um, you know looking at looking at Tyrone Mings? You know it certainly would be a a, a a good a good option for them, but obviously there's no there's no rumours. That's just me uh, speculating wildly there, but. Um, yeah, we certainly um you know it was certainly a bit of a a bit of a surprise and like you say you end up with 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 two fit center halves although if we think about it Conza you know wasn't expected initially to be back yet from his injury he has come back you know 4 to 6 weeks early ahead of time um you know, initially the, the the prognosis was that he would maybe be coming back in the next kind of couple of weeks, I think. Um, so, you know, the fact that he's one of the fit centre-halves, um, you know, Chambers has been essentially ignored for the first few games of, of the season until the Bolton game. You know, it didn't look good sort of lining up with that team. But, you know, I actually thought... Um, I don't know what you think. I, d- I actually thought Conza had probably his best game for Villa for for some time. I don't know what I don't know
0: what your view of that was. I would say he had his best 60 minutes or so and I think that coincided with the substitution of Douglas Luiz which I think caused untold problems for, for Aston Villa. Um and all of a sudden it was uh, back to the wall again. I think that um Konza did have a really he looked back to his old self. I think in in, in or close as close as we've seen him back to his old self in recent weeks. I agree. I think that Chambers Chambers really largely for me I think for the one game he played except for the one game he played defensively in field has just not put a foot wrong for Aston Villa and it's a little bit puzzling why he hasn't got found himself with more minutes, particularly with the Conza's uh, form problems, particularly with the fallout with Mings and the captaincy and all that stuff, and now with Diego Carlos. I mean, Conza and uh, Chambers did look pretty solid, but having said that, it has to be said that uh, West Ham were not precisely banging down the door with the free flowing football themselves. So I think it was, although yes, it's fair to say Conza did have the best. Um, 60 minutes, I'll say, uh, for Aston Villa in a long, long time. Uh, West Ham just weren't really asking any questions.
1: No, that is true. And I I, I hear what you're saying about about Chambers as well. And I was sort of thinking um, about him and all this talk of, um, obviously, Diego Carlos getting injured um, and Villa now apparently in the market for... um, a number of a number of names have been mentioned in terms of a defender coming in, which I suppose is logical. But you know, there's never really been a suggestion that that, that Callum Chambers could be the man to to, to sort of fill the, the the void left by by Carlos, really. And I just think about it from his perspective, and he would he would have seen um, his move to Villa in January as a. Probably a little bit of a step down, you know, from from Arsenal. Albeit that he wasn't a regular for Arsenal, and he'd been out on loan at various places. You know, he would have seen it as an opportunity for him to re-establish himself as a regular kind of Premier League centre back, or wherever he, he 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 wants to play. So, you know, I, I wonder if he's a, a little bit disappointed that he seems to be overlooked, and even when there's clearly an opportunity presented itself. Um, he's kind of
0: been shoved down the pecking order again. Yeah, it is a different thing to be a squad option at Arsenal, who are top of the league currently and and, and flying under Mikel Arteta, uh, than it is to be at a, a team in relegation form, which is which is Aston Villa. Um, I will qualify that relegation form uh, uh, statement later on uh, <laughs> because it's it's actually factually true. This isn't just an opinion. Um, but I get the impression there are some players. I read. I read. This is a bit of a tangent, and this is me really maybe putting two and two together and coming up with eighteen. Uh, but I read an interesting article in the Athletic uh, maybe seven or eight months ago. It's and it was all about sub goalkeepers, and it was kind of anonymous quotes from sub goalkeepers, and some of them were saying that they they like being professional footballers, but they're not really interested in playing every week. <laughs> And I just wondered if, if Chambers was was just amenable to that, just like yeah, I'm going to play a few games and it's going to be fine. But I just kind of enjoy you know the job, I enjoy training, I being, enjoy being around the lads, and it's an interesting point of view. And and, and I just wonder, you can see someone like Bredia, for example, as you saw on, on the touchline <laughs> warming up. You know, he's racing up and down, he's really chomping at the bit, and maybe the, on the other scale, there's other players who are not disinterested in playing i don't want to go that far but maybe aren't as passionate about it and maybe chambers is is happy to kind of be around i mean certainly we had a few of those henry lansbury was the king of that and he, he, was, he he was loving life at villa apparently not interested in whether he played or not you know picking up his his money and so maybe uh, maybe um, not to compare chambers to henry lansbury but maybe there's an element of that where where Chambers is just happy to be part of the group and isn't necessarily the type of guy to rock the boat and I, again I don't know it's a supposition on my part but um it seems that Chambers um seems to be quite amenable to his position as far as I can see
1: yeah maybe and you know I just uh, I just thought it was it, it's you know an interesting sort of thing when when a player sort of makes that kind of move really to they, you know they perhaps feel like they're gonna they're gonna get a, a bit more game time but like you said it takes all sorts to to build a squad doesn't it and uh, I mean I thought it, it was a strange um it was a strange strange viewing from the from the whole tend really that first half um because nothing really <laughs> nothing really happened at all it was all very much played in the middle middle third of the pitch villa kept the ball pretty well um generally and and but didn't didn't really create many opportunities there was obviously the goal disallowed by uh Konza's goal disallowed um after the ball had um apparently gone out of play uh from the corner um I've looked back and it looked like it had but I don't know how you how the linesman could could actually see it but um we certainly couldn't see it up in the whole end so it was a bit bit of a strange one um but really I mean it was it was one of those games it was it was very almost kind of um, end of season sort of end of end of April on the beach type 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 match really.
0: I think it was two teams completely devoid of, of confidence two teams that have had awful runs um, at the beginning of the season um, two teams scared to make errors and, and and really playing within themselves both of them seemed happy to to kind of kind of you know box for a draw it was like one of those uh, you know one of those dead rubbers as you say like at the end of a uh, of, of of a season no one's going up no one's going down and everyone's just trying to avoid an injury before a major tournament which ironically we do have a major tournament coming up so i wonder if we'll see that play out before we get to qatar but for me i think at halftime i i i text the uh, the, the the group chat and said um, you know nil nil I was quite happy with clean sheet. I think if it stayed that way, it wouldn't have been the worst result in the world. I think then, you know, Gerard can come out and say, Hey, you know, we got a clean sheet. It was good that we stopped the rot. We're now undefeated at home and we're going to go into the Arsenal game with with a bit more confidence. You know, just have something to build on. Um, Even though it wouldn't have been sexy, a clean sheet and a point, given the context, uh, I think would have been, would have been actually fine. Um, But, it wasn't to be that way as things changed in the second half Andy
1: yeah absolutely and it was uh I suppose it was it was kind of more of the same second half and uh, I felt Antonio coming on kind of caused caused our back line a, a little bit more problems as you'd expect I mean he's you know he is uh he's an all-action type of player um but it was four noles uh, d- deflected goal um I think it was about 10-15 minutes from the end, um, which which decided the, the the game. Really, it it felt a little bit unlucky from from where I was. Um, you know, obviously, you can always try and pick apart different elements of a goal. I'm sure you might have a go at doing that, Craig. Um, but it felt it felt a little bit like the the goal was was coming at the time, although it was fortuitous in in many ways. Um, but. It, you know, again, Villa's wealth of attacking bench options, and obviously the players that were, that started the game were were just unable to to create or or make sufficient openings to to to, to make this seem like like we were unlucky in many ways. It kind of it, it felt like it was coming, and you know, whichever team had got that run that bit of bit of luck would have probably said they 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 were good for it, but. Villa certainly didn't do enough in the in the final third in this game. Um, it just feels like at the moment it's it's you score one goal against Villa, it just knocks the stuffing out
0: of them, and it's 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 almost game over. Which is why I would have really liked um, for us to to get a 0-0 draw. Um, unfortunately, there was some warning signs. I think that um, John McGinn did did something that he does. It seems, I wouldn't say every game, but at least every couple of games, he gives the ball away in a stupid area, trying a stupid turn. And uh, I believe it was uh, Bowen that had a wonderful breakaway. It uh, looked like he was going to score, and it was some wonderful recovery work from a combination of um, uh, Cash and, and Dina um, saving, getting him out of jail. But that was the most either goal had been threatened up until that time. Um, my reading of the game was that um, as soon as Douglas Luiz was pulled, and Ramsey came in, I I, I worried about it. <laughs> because we've seen that uh, Jacob Ramsey and John McGinn, for all their individual qualities, they're not necessarily meshing well as a unit. And one thing that we have seen repeatedly, 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 to the point where you're a little bit worried that no one in the none of aston villa's dozens of coaches can see the same thing as soon as mcginn and ramsey are on the field together we become more open and that's exactly what happened the midfield op- opened out i thought declan rice took over the game as soon as douglas suwees came came off all of a sudden he was striding forward he was uh, he was he was running up and down and he he'd been really contained well i thought in the early part of the game and so then you can see the the, the goal coming the goal was fortuitous Conza, if you're going to be ultra critical, can perhaps get a bit more, uh, show a bit more urgency on that on that block. But it is unfortunate if if we're being reasonable, it's looped into the goal. Nothing Martinez can do, and then that's that. But the more worrying concern, what has nothing to do with the substitution of Douglas Suiz and the introduction of Jake Jacob Ramsey, Douglas Suiz could have stayed on the pitch for the whole game. Villa wouldn't have scored if we were still playing today on on Monday afternoon. We weren't going to score a goal. Um, There was no threat, no danger. And I don't remember it looking like this since Steve Bruce, where at Bruce's best, it was kind of solid. They weren't going to concede. We were hard to beat. And he was kind of waiting for Kodja or Adoma to do something, which they invariably did at that level. And it seems like Gerard was waiting for Bailey or Coutinho or Buendia when he came on to pull some kind of rabbit out of the hat. And when that didn't work, it seemed again at the end of the game, Andy, that we resorted to the Bournemouth tactic of smashing in long balls into the box for our non-existent aerial threat. And uh, Zuma was just having a, a, a field day. Um, animal lover Zuma was, was just having a, a lovely time. Just heading, um, just having a, a heading practice basically against Ings and Watkins who who couldn't threaten him aerially. So really troubling on a number of levels. I don't know why Gerard believes that Ramsey and McGinn work together when we, we have so much of a data set now. We have enough evidence to say that it really doesn't. And I don't know why these players presumably are being instructed cash and uh dina in particular to lump these high balls into the box i mean we saw the lad for uh west ham uh schemata six five even if he was in there he's gonna struggle and we, we I, i'm gonna get annoyed if i carry on talking about this <laughs> i don't what i'm saying andy is i'm trying to remain calm here i don't understand it's illogical to me please explain it <laughs> why does this keep happening why does gerard repeat these things which don't work.
1: Yeah, I don't. I I, I honestly don't know because um, I felt that uh, last season, although we were inconsistent last season, I felt certainly when when Coutinho came in, and um, and Jacob Ramsey was 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 playing well, um, even when o- o- Ollie Watkins was was kind of off form and it, a bit in and out, it felt like they were they, they were. Kind of executing little patterns of play to 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 get Coutinho and to get Ramsey in particular into into good areas, and we saw that in a few games, and it and it and it was it was quite effective. Coutinho was was not just kind of kind of sort of mudging around, sort of twenty five yards from goal, you know, looking for a pass. He was actually, you know. Playing, you know, part of the the, you know, that these little sequences, and he was getting on the end of things, you know, he was, he was influencing that end of the field far more, um, but it wasn't just him. He, you know, he had those people around him that he was linking up really well with, but now it does feel like it is that it is just a case of almost. You put Coutinho on the field and hope that he slams one in from from twenty-five yards. You know, and he's not looked like doing that at all. Probably since he's been at the club. He's had a few efforts like that, but he's scored a few goals, but he's he's never been, you know, sort of you know he's never come close, particularly with with one of those kind of speciality things that he that he did so often at Liverpool. So I don't know whether that's part of it, but it just doesn't feel like in the attacking side of things. They they have any kind of um, any kind of plan at all you know it really does look like that and that's when I think footballers to their credit go well what do we know well we know to stick it in the mixer and that's what they do (laughs) and that's what they do
0: stick it in the mixer now if well, you if, if yeah. you've got uh, james Beattie or big uh, kevin davis and and and, and nolan <laughs> to knock down you, you you can do that but when you don't have the personnel for it it's again i don't want to belabor the point it's it's really maddening to me but um it was interesting the for anyone who hasn't heard it neil taylor was very who is a very um, eloquent speaker by the way and um um had some really interesting points on five live today uh it is monday august 29th as we're recording you'll be able to find that i'm sure on the iplayer it's also on twitter on lots of the uh, Villa accounts um taylor said in so many words and i'm paraphrasing but the gist of what what neil taylor had to say and bearing in mind as andy pointed out in our group chat neil taylor most certainly still has contacts and friends in the dressing room. He he's known to be a very popular member of the squad. Neil Taylor basically said that, um, Gerard is underperforming with these creative players that he has at his disposal, that it's Gerard's job to produce the patterns of play, which allow the creative players that we have in abundance to score goals and create chances. And that essentially Gerard just isn't doing that. Now, if Neil Taylor is bold enough to come out in Five Live and say that, or a version of that, we've also seen today in the Telegraph, which isn't necessarily a newspaper that I endorse, but John Percy has been very, very good with um, with, with Aston Villa stories and has a, a years-long track record of being one of the best Villa journos, uh, most trusted Villa journos, John Percy. John Percy describes unrest amongst the first-team squad. He also describes the signing and Steven Gerrard's persistence with the aforementioned Coutinho as, I and I quote, a vanity project for Steven Gerrard. So, in terms of the whole situation, Andy, um, particularly with the creative players and the Coutinho thing, all is not well.
1: Well, no, it doesn't seem like it, does it? And you, when you start getting, um, you know, very prominent uh, reporters and journalists writing these type of stories, you kind of think, well, they don't do it unless they're absolutely sure. John Percy's n- not going to be writing he's got plenty to do. Yeah. At lots of other clubs.
0: This isn't without writing slider. silly
1: nonsense. <laughs> no, exactly. And he's he's not writing he's not writing silly nonsense about Aston Villa. He's he's too busy. Um so it is worrying and you wonder where the briefings are coming coming from because he will have been probably briefed about about this sort of thing he's not making it up so that it it, it is it, it is a worry and obviously you know like you say you know with with uh, Neil Taylor again he's got no reason to stick the boot into Aston Villa he had a he had a really good um, a few years at Villa and, and he left um on very, very good terms, I I think. It, and with the fans, you know, he, he perhaps wasn't rated particularly highly, but I think people appreciated the job he'd done at, at the club. So he's got no reason to do that either. And like you say, he's 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 not gabby. He's an intelligent man who's <laughs> who's 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 just looking to to, to to you know to add some value to what he's doing. So um I think um it is it is concerning when you get those stories you know coming seemingly from the dressing room or behind the scenes at at Villa Park you know that um things aren't well but after the start we've had i wouldn't expect things to be tickety boo at Bodymore Heath i would i would expect you know players to be um pinning each other up against the wall occasionally and 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 and, and demanding to know what's going on and i'm sure there is some you know players do kind of look around, don't they? The one thing that worries me, and I've said this about this squad before um and this doesn't include necessarily the the players that Gerald's brought in because they weren't there, but you know this is a squad of players or core of a squad that 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 you know got rid of the man who um gave them their Premier League careers you know they're not these players are not in in a Premier League dressing room, many of them. Um, without Dean Smith, and if you can turn your back more or less on him, uh, then you can do it to anyone. And if Gerard is is guilty of anything um, in terms of the squad, it's not it's not weeding them out and getting rid and replacing them, you know, and making sure that he's got he's got his men. But that isn't necessarily how football works. It can't be that kind of clean cut, and you have to, you know, these coaches have to get. S- something out of the players they, they have as well. But well, I, I think, think there's a there's a there's a there's a deep a, a deep culture of um of uh this kind of hiding hiding behind the manager, you know, making excuses um and uh you know essentially you know playing for the next
0: change. Well, I, that's that's that that is interesting. I mean, we talk about Stephen Joe. A uh, the, the couple of points. We talk about having your own players. There isn't really any manager alive that gets to turn around twenty six first team professionals and kick them out and bring in twenty six new first team professionals or even you know 10 or 11 would be spectacular as steve uh, cooper's having a go steve cooper is having a go but they were his players (laughs) before he's (laughs) they were his players last year um but yeah that that is you know an an, an anomaly the the biggest churn we've seen at villa was uh we had two seasons of it the one uh famous tim sherwood uh (laughs) season with paddy o'reilly who actually brought in uh probably the right players at the wrong time Uh, We had the likes of uh, Vera, two Jordan Ayew and um, Jordan Amavi and of course, who can forget Rudiger Stead and uh, Crespo and then we also had the summer (laughs) where we were somewhat similar to to Nottingham Forest where everyone said we were doing a Fulham where we only had 10 senior first team players available and Dean Smith had to really purge the the dregs of the Belgian market to even be able to put out a first team Um, but Those are rare instances. You don't see it really at this kind of level. So, and then the other point to that is if you look in the direction, if you look north towards Newcastle United and you see Eddie Howe take over a Steve Bruce outfit that hadn't won in their first 14 games and Eddie Howe takes someone like Joe Linton who's widely ridiculed and turns him into something of a prominent footballer up there. And obviously... He brought in Target, who we didn't want. He brought in Chris Wood, who is has limitations. It's fair to say, although who would probably prosper in this Steven Gerrard system of pumping in long balls into the box. <laughs> having, having said that, but you you catch the point. He also had Trippier, who's a very good player, and um, and Bruno Gamarish, if I've said that correctly, uh, also a very good player. But again, Eddie Hatter was not only able to take a team that hadn't won. In four, hadn't won in 14 league games which no team has survived and he, he took him above Aston Villa and he did it without changing 26 per, first team professionals uh, Graham Potter obviously is, is becoming the golden standard of, of, of how to manage a team outside the top six this is a gentleman who loses his, his best players every summer and yet still is finding a way to, to improve the team probably similar to what Dean Smith was doing with Brentford for years in the, um, in the championship actually but obviously potter doing on a much grander scale here in the premier league so this steven gerrard needs his own players thing i think is a little bit of a of of a misnomer just because it doesn't really happen and even if it did happen i would ask you andy bearing in mind again to quote john percy the coutinho vanity project bearing in mind he doesn't seem to be getting the best out of luca dean diego carlos will, will will let go because obviously that was just unfortunate Bearing in mind, he doesn't seem to be getting the best out of really any of the players. Do you then trust Gerard with a few days left of the transfer window to 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 wield the changes, wield the axe, and bring in his own players? Because I'll tell you one thing: it's my I suggest that the Aston Villa board do not trust him, which is why I think the tap has been turned off. I think gerard has been in the corner drinking one too many uh, moonshines and I think the bar I think the landlord said no more son you've had enough
1: I mean very possibly I think I think you know reading between the lines you could argue that obviously we've, we'll, we'll wait and see um you know how the land lies at 11 o'clock on uh on the 1st of September you know and if we've spent uh another 50, 50 to 70 million on on three new um Starters for for the team, then, then um, perhaps we'll we'll have our answer to that. But if we if we haven't, then you kind of think well, um, could, particularly considering the you know the you know the, how bad the team is functioning, and um, you know the fact that we we desperately need a centre back or or two centre backs. Maybe um, you, you expect you know some business, but we'll just wait and see. I mean um you know the, the the links are strange I think to say the least I mean last week we um we were we did a good fifteen minutes on a player that we we ended up not signing um in Ishmael Asar from Watford and um you know he was apparently all done it was he was in the building and had his medical and everything was agreed and then all of a sudden um it's not and there was some confusion about. About Ishmael Assar, and you know, is he as? Does he fit into Steven Gerrard's system? You know, he's a he's a he's a he's a wide man. He's a winger. Um, Villa haven't played with wingers of that type since since Dean Smith left, um, even before that. So um, it's a bit strange that suddenly we're going out and and trying to sign, and then you know maybe he's had a chat with Gerrard, and Gerrard's pulled the plug. You know. My thought was: Are we are we trying to sign players for someone else? You know, are we have we already got the next manager lined up, and we're trying to sign players that that that,
0: that, that he's asking for. Um, now, there's an interesting conspiracy theory, Andy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. This is the problem when when things when there's a lack of information coming from the club, everyone closes ranks. This is what happens when a, when a manager. Is on the brink. The whole thing closes. You don't hear from anyone. There's there's these little things being being um, put out in the media, and it does make you. It does build this this idea of of of, of some kind of conspiracy, and you, not conspiracy as such, but an idea of what's what's maybe going on behind the scenes and. But I mean, what did you think? I mean, when when we're when we're apparently that far down the road to signing Ishmael Assar, are you thinking? What, what you know? What are your
0: thoughts on that? I'm thinking, why the hell are we signing another winger when we don't play wingers? I mean, um, Gerard's got my beautiful baby boy training with the reserves. He's kicked out uh, Daniel Betrich's favourite Trezeguet. Traore's been sent packing to uh, Turkey. Um in terms of out and out wingers really I know Wendie can play there the only out and out winger Bidace has been sent out on on loan um, um uh, sorry he's, he's dropped that name uh, Jaden Philogene has been sent out on loan he's another out and out winger so the only out and out winger we have left in the in the building is um is is Leon Bailey who is an, who we'll talk about later on so Gerard has kicked all the wingers out of the building uh, some of them quite effective wingers. Anwar Al-Ghazi, who we'll talk about later on, a 10-goal scoring winger for Aston Villa. Uh, Bertrand Traore, in his only full season when he was fit, uh, seven goals, six assists, or six goals, seven assists, whatever it was. Again, a, a, a good tr- contributor creatively. Uh, Trezeguet had his shortcomings, but we know that he also had moments. So Gerrard's kicked them all out. So I couldn't, un- I can't really understand why you'd be targeting a winger in Saar And so I wondered, my assumption, and this could be wrong, is that that, uh, it it broke down because maybe Saar said, well, where am I going to be playing? You don't play wingers, and I'm a right winger. And, you know, maybe Gerard, maybe Saar didn't like the answer, and that's where it kind of went downhill. Because Gerard, as we know from his press conferences, gets very prickly when anyone asks him questions, even if the questions are reasonable. So I could see a conversation, hey, I'm a right winger, you don't play with wingers. And, uh, you know, and then Gerard replies, what do you mean I don't know what I'm doing with Philip Coutinho? Who do you think you are? You know, and it, it all breaks down yeah. very quickly. So um, I'm, I, I'm only saying that half-tongue-in-cheek. So um, if, if, if I was Saar, I would stay well clear. If you, if you know that you're a right winger and you want to play as a right winger, why the hell would you sign for a manager who doesn't play with wingers?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my, my kind of thing was, you know, with, with, with Saar... You know, if if Gerard if Gerard's the one that's that's pulled the plug, then um, it wasn't his signing and he vetoed it. Um, But Saar hasn't gone anywhere else, has he? Yeah. So that's that's another that's another aspect to it. He's he's not actually. um, You know, it wasn't like there were there were you know a couple of teams. Maybe there are other teams in for him, but he certainly. I mean, he played for for Watford at the weekend and you know so there's 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 nothing nothing else um seemingly uh happening with that so you know it just it just brings all these questions in doesn't it you know if we were winning games none of these questions would be uh, would be applicable would they so um but you mentioned there I, I wanted to ask you about um about Leon Bailey because he's another player where or another source of um discontent from the dressing room over the last few days, as his um, his his stepdad and his his stepdad's slash yeah. agent has um, uh, come out quite strongly um, against Aston Villa and against Steven Gerrard and the way Leon Bailey is is being utilised or not utilised. Um, you know, I think he said that uh, Leon Bailey is a winger. Um, not a striker, he can play where he can play a striker because he 's a really good player, but he's he's he 's essentially a winger and um he should be playing there he 's a world class player and all all the rest of it he's gone a bit over the top and it sounds a bit a bit like um what's the phrase uh, dan uses um, old men shouting at clouds <laughs> but, um he's uh you know he 's obviously making a point and there 's obviously an, an issue in terms of Bailey maybe being a little bit unhappy yeah um, about how he's been used at villa and I mean what's your th- thought of that because uh, you know, part of me thinks well you know you've just spent a year unfit and unable to play uh, Leon you know you need to you need to build things up a little bit you can't just um, expect to walk back into the team and uh,
0: you know and uh, sort of call the shots um wow, uh, Leon Bailey and uh, Mr Butler. I think it's fair to say that we may have had an indication early on with the uh with the player unveiling in uh, Mr Butler's garden shed that uh, Craig Butler may be somewhat quirky. Also, um he has really been able to do some wonderful things in terms of his academy. Leon Bailey's story is is quite inspirational. But uh, if you know anything, if you, or if you've seen any of Craig Butler's other commentaries, happy to go on his YouTube uh, channel and denigrate the uh, the uh, the manager of the Reggae Boys, the uh, the Jamaican national team at his leisure. Uh, he also has some choice words for the Jamaican Football Federation in general. So this isn't someone to keep their powder dry, and probably any father looking at their son would be like would would feel similar things. The difference is they wouldn't necessarily say it publicly. And that is where it becomes an issue. Now, clearly, Leon Bailey was signed by a different coach in a different regime. Leon Bailey would have been signed to play in a four four three, going back to what I was saying earlier about Ishmael Asar. If Villa were playing a 4-4-3, Saar makes sense. Saar on one side, Bailey on another side, with a, with Watkins through the middle, I think that would be frightening. Uh, Buendia in behind, whatever. But Villa don't play that system anymore. So Bailey was signed under one coach. Before he knows it, he's being shoehorned into really a bench position from, from where he would have expected to be a starter in a system which doesn't suit him. And also he's not really been given a run since he's been fit but as you say andy the fitness is an issue uh, leon bailey cost aston villa a lot of money leon bailey through no fault of his own spent basically all of last year on the uh, on the on, on the sick note list uh bailey we've credited him for for doing his training he seems to be come back come back far more robust bigger stronger lean muscle It seems to have bulked up a little bit and um, credit to him for doing that. But it is also a little bit rich when you've spent so much money on a player and that player has had a year collecting not insignificant wages unavailable for selection for them to be throwing their dollies out the pram uh, four games into a season. So I can see I can see both sides of the coin. Bailey, on the one hand, he's fit and raring to go and, and and looking to prove himself in the Premier League and he signed for a team, think he was going to play one position and then everything changes and that position no longer exists and he's also finding himself on the bench. And on the other hand, I can see how Aston Villa fans or Aston Villa uh, personnel that work at the club would be like, all right, sit down, shut up for a minute. You haven't been fit for a year. Maybe just, uh, you know, just calm down a little bit for a second. But, it looks like the the, the interest in I, from Ajax is real. If Ajax have thirty million pounds, which I think they do, because they're about to sell Antony for a hundred million uh, euros or something similar, and there's a deal to be done, it could make sense for all parties to to part away, say thank you very much, and um, and we move on. I don't know. What do you think, Andy? Yeah, I'd be really
1: disappointed. I've I've been really looking forward to seeing Bailey, and like I said, the goal he scored against Bolton. The other night, I thought it was really special. The way he took it, it was Bertrand Traoré esque, wasn't it? it? It was. He was. He was under slightly. <laughs> he was under slightly. He had more to do than than Bertie though. On that, you know, West Brom kind of kind of parted ways and and allowed him through. <laughs> it, albeit, it was a, a a lovely finish, but he had he had a lot more to do. Bailey here, and he he, he just did it so was such such class I just thought it was it was fantastic and that's what I want to see these are you know this is a player who has lost a season of his of his career really he's he's he's, he's not done anything he's he wants to prove himself in the in the Premier League he doesn't I'm sure he does not want to move um, to the Dutch League um, which is you know far without being Disrespectful, it's 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 a far inferior league to the Premier League, albeit he'll be playing for Ajax in the in the Champions League. He doesn't, he, you know, he, he he wants to be where it's happening, and that's the Premier League, and um he's he's got a real opportunity at Aston Villa to nail down a place and maybe prove to the manager that actually you maybe you should be playing me in my correct position. And 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 building the 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 style of play around me, Um, he's certainly got the ability to do that. I I agree with his with um, his his dad in some ways. I think he has got the potential to be to be a world class talent, and you know I think uh, you know it's just whether he feels he's got the platform to do it at Villa, and at the moment he's he's kind of in and out the side, and when you consider how how poor the attack has been this season he probably feels a little bit confused but whilst his whilst his dad is saying all this stuff I'm looking at the, the interview with Leon Bailey last week and I'm seeing him you know when he's coming off the bench against Bolton and he's he came off the bench the other day and I think he just looks really up for it really motivated
0: and, and quite yeah. happy to be honest well he's playing for a move isn't he Andy? I'm joking <laughs> joking. No, he, he does. He does. And also, it's also important to say that they are not necessarily singing from the same hymn sheet. I mean, I have a father and he doesn't uh, manage my career. But certainly if he did, we would probably have different ideas <laughs> and uh, about where it should go, and what we should do. And that, you know, that's probably normal in, in any father-son a relationship for people to have different ideas. So it's not like they are one, uh, one, one, one person. Um, although you would think for leon bailey uh, that the opportunity as you say to play in the champions league to to reset his career could be appealing but i do believe that i'm with you andy i think that he came to the premier league for a reason i think he wants to be a premier league footballer this is where he's going to get the biggest profile this is where he's going to get the most eyeballs on him and this is where he's going to really prove himself because if he can you know to to paraphrase old frank sinatra if you can make it here you you can make it anywhere Absolutely, but
1: another player um, potentially, or well, certainly, looking like he's off to the to the uh, Dutch league is uh, is your old favourite Anwar El Ghazi. Um, now I'm going to uh, keep quiet now and just um, just let you talk.
0: <laughs> well, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to try and take take um, take my sweet time because that's what my beautiful baby boy would want. Um, Anwar El Ghazi, um, really a massive presence for Aston Villa's resurgence for our comeback, if you like, Um, scored crucial goals in the championship for us, was part of our record breaking 10 10 game uh, winning run back when we used to love love the club, all of us. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Also scored the uh, all important opening goal in the playoff final um sacrificed his religious beliefs to do so uh, by breaking the fast, I believe, or played while fasting, perhaps is, is more accurate either way. Um as the uh, the final was was during Ramadan. Al Ghazi uh put his beliefs to on to his, put his beliefs and put his his self in harm's way almost to play for Aston Villa and bring us back to the Promised Land. And then I think um he is he is uh I believe second only to Ollie Watkins in goal contributions for Aston Villa um, in the three seasons um, since we came back up. Well, four seasons now. Um, Again, Gerrard didn't fancy him. Lots of the Villa fans didn't fancy him. Um, But I I always fancied him. (laughs) And I think that he's been... um, a little bit hard done by. Uh, rumor has, rumors have abounded that Al Ghazi was frozen out and made to eat lunch with the kids uh, by Gerard, and this may have—I don't know. if This is true. It's just a rumor, and this this may have really upset lots of the uh, established first-team players, because Al Ghazi, by all all accounts, is a gentleman, uh, a deeply religious and and humble guy, and uh, well-liked around the dressing room, so for him to have really done, have done nothing wrong, other than be not fancied by the manager, and shipped off to train with the reserves, it was quite um, sad to see, almost, him playing for the under-21s, I think a couple of games, but he came out, he gave his best, I think he scored a goal, and set up a goal, and, um, And he moves on to PSV, which is going to be a a league that I think he'll be able to dominate, you know, going back to the early Ajax point. I don't know if PSV are in the Champions League this season, um, but but certainly they'll be playing European football. So you can only, you know, give him a big kiss goodbye and just say thank you so much, Anwar. Um, The goals are really important. The moments, the the, the penalty in the last minute against Wolves, the... um, a stunner in the 3-0 win at Christ- against Crystal Palace when we were down to 10 men, back when we used to have a... Uh, uh, um, no, I won't say that. And um, it was really just uh, just some, some magical moments from him, obviously none more so than the playoff final and to see his celebrations. Uh, I saw a picture where he celebrated a friend that I think had, had passed away with his shirt underneath the uh, his Villa shirt at the playoff final. Just seems like an all-around nice guy and, and part of the part of the almost healing balm of 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 players and i'll include him with the likes of james chester uh whelan uncle albert who everybody loved who just made villa fans fall back in love with the club again jack Grealish as well obviously we have to you know mention him this was a group of snodgrass there was a group of players in that championship season and 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 which bled over into the um, the premier league campaign that really healed those wounds from the old uh, Ross McCormack's and Charles and Zagabia's and Jolie and Lescott's who had really broken the relationship between the Villa fans and the Villa players and I think that El Ghazi uh, was one of the guys that helped help rebuild that um, rebuild that love so uh, really I love El Ghazi, everyone knows <laughs> everyone to the show knows that um, um but it seems like it's the right thing for him to move along and and probably the right thing for Aston Villa but thank you for all your contributions and I will never forget you Anwar yeah absolutely
1: yeah uh, I'd, I'd, I'd I'd second that like i like I always say he was part of that team um that was the for me the best three months I've ever had supported supporting Aston Villa and that was the 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 ten ten game winning run um which um led to the uh the playoffs and and obviously promotion and he was massive part of that um he's had a couple of comebacks as well i mean dean smith um also <laughs> left him in yeah, yeah. left him out in the cold and he he came back um for a, a game against wolves and scored the winning penalty and and that's when he that was the year he he went on and scored those those um 10 10 goals uh which you know <laughs> I, I don't see any of um any of our forwards getting getting close to that this season as as things as things stand so you know real real achievement yeah and then players move on you know but uh, obviously he's he's been a big part of of the 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 story hasn't he over the last few years and maybe it's nice that he's not tainted by the the, the, the current situation um too much Um uh, we can remember him a bit more fondly so um yeah all, all the yeah best and to he, he used
0: to get he used to get blamed anyway when he did nothing wrong people would get jump on his back so it's almost better that my beautiful baby boy doesn't have to be involved now and he can he can leave he, he can leave Aston Villa with his head held absolutely high yeah um knowing that he did you know for, for whatever he cost us was like seven million six million um you know it was it was um From Lille, actually, I always banter with one of my um, Arsenal mates, uh, uh, Johnny, shout out to Johnny if you're listening, Uh, because we signed El Ghazi from the same club on the same summer that they signed Nicolas Pepe. And I always used to just send him El Ghazi stats, which every year were better more or less than Nicolas Pepe's even though he cost 75 million and El Ghazi cost seven so anyway that's enough El Ghazi trivia uh, the man can walk away with his head held high and, and and we we wish him nothing but the best yeah absolutely and
1: we, we we must get on to to this week now and uh you know um obviously it's transfer deadline coming up but we also have uh two games um we've got First of all, Arsenal away at the Emirates um, on uh, on Wednesday night, and that's followed by Man City at home on uh, on uh, on Saturday. So you know that's the antidote to the uh, the, the, the the poor start to the season, no doubt. Uh, two of the two of the best teams currently in the in the Premier League, um, both uh, flying high as you. Well, you'd certainly expect of Man City, but Arsenal have have really kind of uh, hit the ground running this season with four wins, um, partly due to the, the 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 transfer business. They've signed uh, Gabriel Jesus and uh, uh, Zinchenko, for both from from Manchester City, um, and they've proved to be really positive signings for the for the team and just a general kind of. Um, Good atmosphere, I think, around the Emirates uh, at the start of this season. Um, So that will be either grinding to a to a dramatic halt on Wednesday night, or it will be marching on and then continuing into the weekend for for Arsenal fans. Um, I mean, do you see any way Villa can stop their run of maximum points? And what sort of changes would you make to the team and the approach for
0: this one, Craig? I think Gerard's team changes make me dizzy at this point. you never know it, it, it chops and changes another thing with 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 the the bailey stuff how can anyone really establish any rhythm in that attack he chops and changes it chops and changes it um so much that it's 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 hard to know what's what um i would really like to see um how can we? Well, what we need is we need a solid defensive performance. We need probably to play defensively, maybe play with Bailey and Watkins uh, breaking on the counter attack, look to hurt them that way. Try and wind up Zaka, uh, Granic Zaka. He was he's always good for a red card, and um, and 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 hope for the best. But this is a big turnaround because you know, we did the double over Arsenal the season before last, and we, we really had their number. So it's interesting to see how. We'd really started to close the gap on them, um, or it felt like we had started to close the gap on them. Uh, we were comfortably beating them. We beat them, I think, three times in a row under Dean Smith, and now we are just light years apart. So that is the only hope that I have. Keep it tight, um, but we, we, as I say, we concede against everyone. I've saw a stat; it's nine games, or nine straight games, in the Premier League that we've conceded. And as I've always said, and I'll say again if you need to score two or three goals every week to win a game of football, then I don't care who you are. You are. You are in, uh, you're on a hiding to nothing. So if we're gonna need to go and score three goals to win the game, with this misfiring attack, it's going to be impossible. It will condemn us to a uh, 40 feet out of five, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, it's, and it's starting to starting to stack up, isn't it? Those those losses and, and, and just the, the general kind of... Um, uh I don't know we, you start thinking back to you know when Dean Smith was sacked you know it, he was sacked for for five games in a row and many would say you know quite rightly you can't argue with that um particularly in the context of of, of what had perhaps gone before um and it's starting to look it's starting to look like that already isn't it you know you get to um certainly the man city game you know th- That'll be five, five defeats out of six, <laughs> potentially. Um, not that we're writing these games off, but it's you've got to go with what's what's likely. Yeah. and you look in, ahead, in, and you can't if, see if you anything go by different. the
0: form book. It, it's very it's very difficult to see, and and that. But that's that. It's not guaranteed. I think that the stats, as you say, they are mounting up. Um, I saw a stat from 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 the uh, at Old Man said account. Uh, that for 2022 and you know I don't like calendar year league tables but this is points per game so it's different that Villa are on 1.13 points per game under Gerrard in 2022 that was before the defeat at West Ham so it's worse now extrapolate that over a 30 game season that's 42 points that is literally scraping relegation by the skin of your teeth uh, Dean Smith um, was sacked for less <laughs> quite frankly <laughs> And, and, and again, the, the players, I see, you know, the, the, defend, the, the defenders of Gerrard, and there are some defenders of Gerrard. Um, there are, they, are, they are lessening in numbers. They're an endangered species at this point, but they talk about, ah, the players, the players, the players aren't good enough. You know, I would say that I've seen uh, Aston Villa Premier League teams line up with Grant Holt as the starting centre forward. I've seen Ali Samata in more recent years as a starting centre forward. I've seen Jordan Barry as, as the starting centre forward. I've seen Colin Calderwood at 38 years old. I've seen Joe Bennett. I've seen, you know, even old Ridgewell before he went off to Blues and, and, and West Brom as, as the anchor of our central defence. We've had worse players than this. And managers like Paul Lambert, managers like David O'Leary, managers like even Alex McLeish managed to get those teams to safety with with far less resources. So I think that the the only chance for us in this upcoming week to to get back to the question at hand is to be as hard to beat as we can. Try and grab a point away. If we can nick a point away at Arsenal, I think that the game at Man City may be, maybe just beyond us, but if we can nick a point away at Arsenal, at least you've got something to hold on to because Two heavy defeats, Andy, for Gerard this week, and I think that might be that. Quite frankly, I think that will be that. The people are saying he's going to have till the Southampton game. I don't see it. I think two heavy defeats, and he's gone.
1: Yeah, very possibly. I think you're right. I think I think that's a, a you know a good approach. I've been saying for for a little while now. I think I think Gerard needs to um, at least temporarily abandon how he wants to play and 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 look at his players and 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 land on a on a on a on a style of play which which suits them and I think you're looking at a a low block and a and a and a fast break and and that's what you know I think that's that's what's going to get you those points particularly away from home and you know I'm I, 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 I'm happy with that. I'm happy to not have the ball all the time if it means if we look more dangerous or we look more comfortable in defence and we certainly haven't at all. And the midfield, like you say, has been has been wide open at times um, with the, the the players that he that he picks every week. So he's got to he's got to look at that and think, well, you know, actually, maybe I've got to mould this rather than trying to mould the players to what I want. Maybe for a, a little while at least, I've got to I've got to play the players.
0: We've play. been saying this for 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 the. Short of the first four games, or the first six games, where he did actually use, like my marvelous goldfish that we used to talk about, like he did do it in the beginning in credit to Gerard, and he had some good results. But he's just abandoned ship, and it, it, he seems to be pig-headed and unable to adapt, unable to be pragmatic, and just absolutely smashing his head against a concrete post. With this formation that doesn't work for this collection of players. And I'm all for a manager playing the system he wants to play. But if you have players which are fundamentally unsuited to your system, then you have to make some adjustments until such time as you have players that you think can play that system. And it's just, ugh, I, <laughs> I, and it's maddening because, and maybe he doesn't care because I'm quite sure if he gets sacked. First of all, he'll get another opportunity because he's Steven Gerrard. It may not be a Premier League level, but he'll get another championship job. Uh, he, he'll certainly get another job in, in the SPL if he wanted to. So, And he'll also probably have a, a, a very large multi-million pound payoff um, to ride off into the sunset with. So he may not be, you know, he may not be for turning uh, at Aston Villa. But for the sake of his own job and the job of his backroom staff, who may be less financially uh, free... I hope that he can be a little bit more pragmatic and 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 just try and 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 salvage this because it's a sinking ship, Andy.
1: Yeah, it seems that way. And uh, another thing, I mean, we, we you know, obviously, Man City on on Saturday, and if if our if our friend Jack Grealish. Uh, you know, turns up and puts in a performance. Um, it could look. It could. It could just sour the. the you know, the, the the general atmosphere around around Villa Park even more. Um, so that could be an interesting, an interesting game. Perhaps we'll go on to some predictions. What What do you think for Arsenal? I think,
0: <laughs> I think three, no, <laughs> three, no, three nil. No, three 0 no, no, Arsenal. Three
1: and, nil. Arsenal. Um I'm gonna go I never predict us to lose. <laughs> I'm gonna be belligerent and I'm gonna say one all. Um for that one. You inspired me, um, with your just go nicker point um
0: uh discussion um, what, and what i think i don't think he's gonna do it i think he's too stubborn I, and i said a similar thing about dean smith I, I begged dean smith on this podcast not that he listened to the show i said no, please <laughs> just just plug the gaps get a point away at southampton i remember saying before his last game just get grab a point this is the international break we can reset and, and go again he, he, i think he started with four forwards <laughs> So sometimes these managers, you know, they they you know they they, they have hubris, they have ego. So, but I think it, any any combination, if if we see McGinn and Ramsey together in the midfield, if we see two up front, um, Arsenal are going to give us an absolute hiding. Um, no question in my mind. And what about Man City? <laughs> well, let's well, it's going to be worse, isn't it? I, <laughs> I mean, it's the point. Um, Man City. I, I, I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. um Four-one. Man City.
1: Yeah. Uh Oh God. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Nil. Nil. <laughs> okay. <Andy. laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. But that's with obviously with no confidence whatsoever. Um see this is it. Andy's Andy's <laughs> predictions are always like a nice warm pair of slippers on a cold winter's day, which you, you, which you lot might need in England, bearing in mind what's coming down the pike with the order Anyway, yeah. that's a different conversation. But yeah, um the uh yeah, like a nice warm pair of warm slippers you are, Andy. I'm I'm like a a, a hard uh, a hard slap to the face. I think we're going to get I think I don't want this to happen. I'll never, I'll never want Villa to lose. I've seen people who do want Villa to lose, so Gerard gets sacked. I don't, I don't want that. I want, I hope he can turn it around. But it's looking more and more bleak, and I do think that we will suffer two heavy defeats this week. And I think that Gerald will be gone uh, by this time next week. I okay. think it's over.
1: Well, we'll see. As we'll see, I, as I said on uh, last week's show, there are three things certain in life: death, taxes, and managers getting sacked. So. It doesn't actually. You don't. It, whether you're Gerard out, or Gerard in, or whatever you are, um, it makes no difference. It'll happen one day. Um, you've just got to. <laughs> you've just got to try and uh, try and enjoy the, the positive aspects of following your football team, and uh, you know we'll we'll see. Hopefully, we're part of that as well. Hey Craig, um, yeah. Well, this this show has been particularly joyful yeah.
0: and cheerful. <laughs> yeah,
1: absolutely, absolutely. And uh, we'll be back next week. If you are going to the g- any of the games this week, then um, I hope it's not as bad as Craig thinks it's going to be for you. Um, I hope, I
0: hope so too. I, I, <laughs> I hope,
1: hope it's all hope it's all good. Um, and obviously, we'll be back uh, next week to um, to look at the. The end of the transfer window, if anything, uh, if anything transpires um, between now and Thursday night. And obviously to review these two games and whatever the fallout to that is um, thereafter. Um, but thanks for listening and thanks to Craig for joining me again. Uh, great to have you back and um, stay safe everyone and up the villa.